It's Friday, June 11th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Some good news on the coronavirus front, as we might be closer to herd immunity than you think. More than 64% of adults have had at least one vaccine dose. And for those who haven't had the vaccine, about half of them have natural immunity from prior infection. When you factor in natural immunity, the number of individuals protected is more than we think. Dr. Marty McCary, professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and author of The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It, joins us for why herd immunity is not so far off. Next, tech companies are looking at ways of getting you over your Zoom fatigue and bringing holograms to the office for your next meeting. Projects at WeWork and Google are working on a new style of communication with holograms and avatars to make things feel more personal and allow you to read body language better. Anne-Marie Alcantara, reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for how this tech is closer to becoming an everyday reality. Finally, as we see the demand for COVID-19 vaccines drop, Johnson & Johnson vaccine doses are being left unused and they could be expiring as soon as the end of this month. The doses only last about three months in the refrigerator and hundreds of thousands of doses or more could go to waste. States want to redistribute or send these doses abroad, but there are very strict rules on how the vaccines can be reallocated. Laura Strickler, investigative reporter at NBC News, joins us for these expiring vaccines. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. So we have more follow-up data on natural immunity than vaccinated immunity. And guess what? So far, natural immunity is strong, durable, and many scientists believe it's long-lasting and it may be lifelong. Joining us now is Dr. Marty McCary, professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Bloomberg School of Public Health, and Cary Business School. He's also the author of The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare, and How to Fix It. Dr. McCary, thank you very much for joining us. Great to be with you. I wanted to talk about some good news when it comes to coronavirus and the pandemic, something you might not have heard. We keep talking about vaccination rates and how some people don't want to get the vaccines anymore and how we might not hit that magic number for herd immunity, you know, 70 to 80 percent of the population being vaccinated. But when we take our current vaccination rates and you factor in the natural immunity that a lot of people have who have already been infected with COVID, we might be a lot closer to that number that people think. So, Dr. McCary, tell us a little bit more about this. Well, one of the big failures of our medical leadership has been ignoring natural immunity from prior infection. And those are people who had the infection and their body developed an immune response similar to that of a vaccine. And so when you've got almost half the population or so, roughly, based on the California data, that has natural immunity, and there's lots of other data that suggests it's a lot of Americans, it's probably half, and it's probably half of the unvaccinated Americans today, that changes the calculus. It changes everything because now getting to 80 to 85 percent immunity is something where we're already there. We've already got, look, we've got 64 percent of adults vaccinated. And of the remaining 36 percent, about half have natural immunity. So that means 80 to 87 percent of adults in America today are walking around with immunity. That makes a big difference. Yeah, and there's been studies done, uh, antibody screenings that have been done, 
that show that there's a lot of a lot more cases probably than confirmed cases that we know of. So that boosts that number up uh, of those people that have the natural immunity. And for a long time, the discussion was we don't know how long immunity lasts, whether you're vaccinated or whether you've had COVID previously. But we're starting to get some of that data in now, and we see that that natural immunity does last for quite some time, it seems like. It's powerful. And as a matter of fact, the data that have come out in the last few weeks from the Cleveland Clinic and Washington University are showing that natural immunity is durable. We've had it around, by the way, longer than we've had vaccines. So we have more follow-up data on natural immunity than vaccinated immunity. And guess what? So far, natural immunity is strong, durable, and many scientists believe it's long-lasting and it may be lifelong. Public health officials keep saying, you know, everybody should get vaccinated, even those that have previously had it. How does this factor into that? I mean, should those that have previously fallen ill with it still get vaccinated? I don't think so. I mean, public health officials are basically just making stuff up as they go. They don't know about the power of natural immunity. So they just say, you know what, if you've had the infection, I don't know, just get the vaccine anyway. The data are out now. They're very compelling. We've had this for a while and we're trying to make a solid case that if we follow the science, the science would tell us there's no benefit to the vaccine after you have natural immunity. And, I'm, and, and just remember, I'm not just talking about you tested positive. I'm talking about you had symptoms, you were sick, and you tested positive. If you know you've had COVID, the data from Cleveland Clinic shows no added benefit of the vaccine. Yeah, you even said in some cases, maybe people could benefit from one shot because we already know that it starts boosting up those antibodies. So at the very least, if you wanted to, you can maybe just do one or something. That's right. And that's what I've been recommending to people because they say, well, should I just get it anyway? Is there any downside? And the reality is, no, not really. And you can almost think of your COVID infection in the past as a first dose. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, uh, variants. Those are always pop up in conversations like this, things that can evade the immunity that's given to you because of the vaccines, all that. Uh, how should we proceed thinking about those? Well, we've had hundreds of variants and none have evaded the protective effect of vaccines in saving someone's life or preventing serious critical illness. So that says a lot. Now, I am very mindful of what we're seeing overseas because in England, there's been a little bump in cases and I expect there to be some rolling increases over the summer and the fall, but we're not going to see spikes. We're going to see maybe the Delta variant, which is more contagious, kind of move quickly through the younger populations that are still unvaccinated. And it's something to be aware of and not be surprised by. Right, exactly. Uh, doctor, I did want to ask you, because you are a surgeon and uh, you deal with transplant uh, patients as well, and we had been hearing that in some studies, some transplant patients, people who are immunocompromised, aren't getting the full benefits of the vaccine. Have, have you found that to be true? In people who are immunocompromised, they may want to get their antibody level checked, and if it's not high enough, go ahead and get a third dose in some cases. And that's just a byproduct of the drugs that they're taking to you know, prevent their bodies from rejecting those organs? That's right. Their bodies are not mounting a strong immune re response because their immune systems may be suppressed. So those are things now where we're having conversations with lots of doctors nationwide to say, go ahead and get your third dose if you've had an organ transplant or immunosuppressed and you don't see any antibodies after, the, after your second dose. So, I mean, this is some of the good news that, you know, really don't hear about too much. You know, factoring in that natural immunity is very important. 
And a lot of places are opening up, you know, California specifically where I live is opening up next week. I mean, that's good news. So, so we're getting there, which is very important. So thank you on all that front and kind of helping us with all that. Doctor, I, before we go, I did want to mention your book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It. It's a look into what's going wrong with the healthcare system right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. You know, we need to treat more diabetes with cooking classes instead of just throwing insulin at people. And we need to treat more back pain with ice and physical therapy than just surgery and opioids. This is the movement that we are watching right now in the United States, and it's good and it's exciting. And it's finally addressing overtreatment, overmedicating, and price gouging on the financial side. These are things that we can address through increased awareness and promoting the types of clinics that advance this kind of stuff. And people can vote with their choices in terms of where they go for their health care. And it's a very good movement right now. And that's what I profile in this new paperback book. Dr. Marty McCary, professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Bloomberg School of Public Health, and Cary Business School. Thank you very much for joining us. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. People want a better way to, yeah, read someone's body language, see how they actually feel about something, or in the case of, you know, company-wide events like All Hands, it's a very compelling use case for, you know, a CEO to deliver any, any news in a holographic form than on Zoom and everyone's like a little square. Joining us now is Anne-Marie Alcantara, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Anne-Marie. Thank you for having me. I'm going to talk about a cool little thing happening with a lot of tech companies right now. They really want to make holograms part of routine life in the office. Everybody's got this Zoom fatigue. It's kind of mentally draining being on a lot of video conference calls throughout the day as a lot of people are working remotely, hybrid remote work, kind of going back to the office thing still happening right now. But some companies from Google to WeWork are working on these projects to put holograms in the office, you know, think uh, Tupac at Coachella or Michael Jackson, even on stage, these types of holograms, but in the office space, it's a pretty cool idea. So Anne-Marie, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing. Yes. So the hologram situation is more of a reality than we think it is. If anything, um, we work is bringing hologram technology to a hundred we work buildings in 16 locations around the world starting this month. So be prepared to see them sooner than you think. And Google's own project seems to still be in the testing stage, but it's it's happening. It's here. It's not a back in the future sort of idea. It's It appears that we might be interacting with them more sooner than we think. Yeah, Google's is called Project Starline. Uh, they want uh, video chats with kind of this more three-dimensional depth. Obviously, you mentioned the WeWork ones. Uh, you know, it's funny because... It's starting off here right now in these companies, but as it picks up there, you know, things get a little cheaper, then they start coming down uh, to us and our homes. So it's kind of exciting to think of a future when we're video chatting with holograms uh, at home, but this is kind of where it starts. And, you know, for their part, these companies really say that they want this new style of communication. Uh, It uh, helps people pick up on body language, all that stuff. They just think it's a a more effective way of communicating. Yes, that's what some... Workplace experts that I've spoke to said, you know, you mentioned earlier that there's Zoom fatigue. I think that's a big part of why companies are trying to test new technologies like holograms 
you know, people want a better way to, yeah, read someone's body language, see how they actually feel about something. Or in the case of, you know, company-wide events like All Hands, it's a very compelling use case for, you know, a CEO to deliver any any news in a holographic form than on Zoom and everyone's like a little square. Tell me a little bit about cost and how this would work because we work for their part are kind of a little further along on all of this so far. They're going to be projecting things on a big hollow pod, which is what they call it. So tell us a little bit about that and the cost for this. Yes. Yeah, so the pricing will definitely vary according to WeWork. They said it can be anything from as low as 2500 for like a single hologram, you know, for a single location, like, you know, like one event, but it could be as much as 25000 if you want to like bring multiple holograms of people in, in a, on like on a virtual stage together. So it can be really somewhat affordable or somewhat really expensive depending on, on the type of experience you want to create for people. And that holopod thing that I was talking about is kind of uh, cool. It's a big eight foot tall screen. It's a structure in and of itself. It's got a camera, a microphone, then projector. So you can get that hologram on there. So it, it's all pretty cool the way it seems like it's going to come together. There are limitations though. They said this type of stuff would probably work for a pre-recorded event more so than a, a live thing. Yes, I spoke to a few analysts and experts about the actual viability of using this type of technology. And the consensus sort of seems to be that for now, you know, especially with Zoom, when people are still forgetting that they're on mute or, or, you know, that they need to like speak clearly or whatever it is, that a hologram might be better for like a recorded training or seminar where you can work out those kinks and potentially make sure that there's no logistical issue that's like, you know, your internet's not good enough, whatever it might be. Anne-Marie Alcantara, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. When people come in to get their vaccines, they're asking for Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. They're not asking for the Johnson & Johnson. And this is a big issue because the vaccines have just three months. Joining us now is Laura Strickler, investigative reporter at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about these Johnson & Johnson vaccines. A lot of these doses are set to expire pretty soon. A lot of states are sitting on these stockpiles. They can't really move them. They can't uh, donate them. There's uh, pretty strict rules surrounding this. So we're kind of just stuck with them for right now. So, Laura, what are we seeing with Johnson & Johnson doses? Yes, that's exactly right. So basically... If you recall back in April, the FDA said that there would be a pause on giving out the, the Johnson & Johnson because there were some concerns about safety. They, you know, As you know, they went ahead and said they are safe to be given out, but that really caused the enthusiasm around getting the Johnson & Johnson shot to go down. So what state officials have been telling me is that when people come in to get their vaccines, they're asking for Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. They're not asking for the Johnson & Johnson, so it's piling up. And this is a big issue because the vaccines have just three months shelf life. So the FDA you know, is in talks and weighing the science around this as to whether or not they should extend the shelf life, you know, change the expiration date on these Johnson & Johnson vaccines that are all over the country. And that will help you know, if someone comes in and says, yes, I want the J&J vaccine. But what state officials are telling me is that 
Now, the real issue here is that there isn't that much demand for these right. vaccines, specifically Johnson and Johnson. So they there's about, you know, according to, the, to CDC, there's about 21 million that have been shipped out. Only about 53 percent of those have made it into people's arms. The rest are to be administered. Certainly state officials have been raising alarm bells about this with the White House for the last three to four weeks. As you mentioned, for the FDA to extend the time for it to expire, they'll last three months in the fridge, I think up to a year maybe if they're frozen, but can they be in the refrigerator, then frozen, then rethawed? You know, that's a lot of consideration to go through. Exactly. And I think that that's why you see, um, you know, just yesterday, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine imploring people in Ohio to come in and get the J&J vaccine so that they do not have to just to put them to waste. They now have until June 23rd on 200,000 doses. Wow. Um, and that, that's very significant. So the states are doing everything they can to continue to ramp up interest in getting people vaccinated. As you said, like general interest in getting vaccinated is going down because the folks who are going to get it have made that decision to go get it. And that's why we're seeing some of these more creative efforts in like West Virginia. They just announced a new vaccine lottery where they're giving away money, um, hunting weapons. Those are becoming very popular right now. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. The United States just announced that they're buying 500 million Pfizer shots to share globally. So a lot of these states are looking at these Johnson and Johnson vaccines that they have in their stockpiles and, and kind of want to do something similar maybe share them abroad as well. But some of the strict rules surrounding that really don't allow for that. You mentioned in the article, Haiti is an opportunity here where they desperately need these vaccines. They're getting some of the AstraZeneca vaccines, but, you know, in a pinch, these Johnson & Johnson vaccines could also be helpful there. Yeah. And actually, even just since our story was published, I got contacted by a Haitian Doctors Association asking, you know, is there some way we can get some of these Johnson and Johnson vaccines. And part of that is because they are, they do have some some concerns around vaccine hesitancy in the country. And so they really believe that one shot would be ideal because you have, you know, a healthcare infrastructure, certainly nowhere near as developed as it is in the U S and Haiti's only a two hour flight from Miami. It would require a significant logistical effort to get all of these Johnson and Johnson vaccines from around the country and ship them to a place like Haiti, where as of today, they have not administered a single vaccine. So uh, are we seeing anything from the White House COVID response team, anything from the administration that that have signaled, hey, this is an issue, we want to handle it soon? Not yet. And what we have heard from state officials is, is that they've been raising these alarms with the White House for the last three to four weeks saying, look, you know, we have this expiration date on the horizon. We'd like to see something happen. I do think that the White House's response in terms of this 500 million is a, is a huge step forward for vaccine diplomacy and for you know the U.S. to be able to help other countries manage their COVID. But you know the Pfizer vaccine is, like I said, it's two shots. So it's a little bit more difficult for countries where they don't have that kind of uh, healthcare infrastructure where they can text someone, you know, it's time for your follow-up appointment and things like that. Laura Strickler, investigative reporter at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. You bet. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. 
leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Diver is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.